Alright, well, um, welcome to episode 6 of Bastard Pastures, although somebody today told us that there's somebody else on iTunes who has a... Inglorious Bastard, or Pastor. Pastards, like they've made the same cunning play on words that we have, and so... Dang it. In the spirit of late 20th century American capitalist Christianity, I'm going to hunt them down and destroy them. Like, they are competition and I will break them. Oh, it's funny. I pictured, like, hey, let's join them. Nope. <laughs> nope. They, they have to be eliminated. Let's, let's find them and join them. They have them. to be eliminated and crossed off as competition. They're probably, they're probably getting paid. They're, they're probably in better shape than oh, we are. They probably are getting paid. <laughs> this is how we're going to get rich. If you want to give money to support <laughs> we don't a cash pastors, tag. We'll do an advertisement for your for your business. business. All forty, all forty of our dedicated listeners will flock to your, to your yes, place of employment. It's true. Um, we normally start with a story from uh, Voldemort, and I actually normally Justin has one because he's been friends with Voldemort a lot longer than I have. But I actually have one today that's sort of on topic. In that um, we talked last week about being about fears and insecurities, about being worried and the things that stress us out and. One of the things that has, I think, been a constant source of, of insecurities for me at as a preacher is preaching. Um, I don't because I've because I don't buy into most notions of authority and and hierarchy. The amount of times that I feel like when I stand up to preach, I this is what I think is right. This is what I think the Bible says. But I am scared to take any authority in people's lives because I know that my life is not always the example that I would want people to follow. And the first Sunday that I ever preached at Legend, I get up, and this is before we even had the overhead lights to stare into, so now you can't see anybody. And I stand up, and Voldemort, Voldemort is sitting in the front row, and I would look at my notes and sort of gather information and look up to speak, and I would have to look at him every time. And every time I looked at him, he would cross his arms and then shake his head disapprovingly at me, as if to let me know that I was being judged and found wanting with every word that came out of my mouth. Well, and back when I used to manuscript, which I don't anymore, uh, he would oh. find my, before, while we're setting up, he would find my manuscript and go and cross out words and oh. put words that I don't like to say, really gross words, <laughs> or, and I can't, and my brain, as I'm going through and speaking, I look down and I see, like, I don't know, whatever he would write. Oh, he wrote fuck on mine. <laughs> like, he would cross words out and write fuck in the middle of my manuscript. It's funny, I just had words come on mine that I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say on this podcast, which... Isn't supposed to be our thing, but I can't say them uh, about the female anatomy mostly. And I was like, uh, but you would, I can't. and my my brain goes blank. And you can go back and listen to like our podcast. Yeah. Like, why did you stop talking right there? You could see it coming like three lines early, and then have to spend three lines in your brain as you're reading this manuscript, saying, "Don't say this word. Don't say this word. Don't say this word." Don't say this word. word. To the point, I started hiding my manuscripts. He stopped looking for them lately. I, I, we probably, now mine is just on like a sketch piece of paper nice right. write down <laughs> I don't know that, if that's a good sign or the, I used the manuscript last, and them all out now it's just like four words a last minute napkin just sitting writing during oh, worship oh well I guess we'll talk about this that's a good idea Monty said something during prayer well go ahead I, I'm gonna run with that today oh favorite thing uh, that I used to do especially when I was a youth pastor is when you have no idea what you're gonna talk about is uh, this, these are tricks that pastors use. Like, I never did this. I did. Like, hey guys, tonight, you know what? We just don't. We don't pray enough. We don't pray enough. We don't pray enough. We're gonna have a concert of prayer. Everyone break into small groups, and then you just start throwing out every five minutes random. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our schools, our politicians, and just keep going. And people are like, oh man, that was good, so man. Deep. I just, uh, so I, you're right. I don't. Or you can do the, hey, you know what? We just don't spend enough time. 
quietly meditating. Quietly meditating. <laughs> We're going to take 20 minutes. It's like playing the quiet game with my kids at home. And just meditate because, you know, spend time with you and God. This is about you guys. Man, th- these are good tricks that it was always... We <laughs> it, haven't, I haven't had to pull that out legend yet. It's interesting because, and this is probably a, a different conversation, um, we would all the time, when I was a youth pastor and then I saw at the church, we did the same thing. We would just tell people to pray. We never actually teach people to pray. We don't teach people how to quiet their minds. We don't teach people how to focus. We don't teach people what to say. We don't teach people what to do. And so you get people that run away with these fears of like, my mind wanders. And so God's probably angry with me because so, I'm not praying right. And um, it's an interesting that we just assume people know how to do those kind of things. And praying's hard. I would much rather, I would much rather preach than pray. Right. Because it's easier. Um, that's, uh, what was it? Tony Campolo. He would always, every, every time he, he preached, he would always have his eyes closed most of the time because he would say, he's just praying. It's just him and God and whatever you're getting is just, you're getting the byproduct of him and God's conversation. I heard him. And he was really good. I heard him once say, um, he left a church once and, uh, there was an old woman like sort of in the greeting line and an older woman said, you know, I really didn't like the prayer that you offered there at the end. And he just stopped. He was, that's okay. Cause I wasn't praying to you. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's a good line. I don't think I could ever be that. Yeah. As snarky as I get, I don't think I could do that. I could. Now we just be like, why? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to do another one right now. Well, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> uh, so today I want to, we want to talk about uh, two things, maybe both hand in hand, but one is a little bit of uh, actually the, the, being an orator, being a preacher, delivering a message every week. Uh, and with that, a little bit of like time management. Yeah. Because I feel like one of the biggest myths of being a pastor is that it's a job you can clock in and clock out of. Right. Now, we both worked at churches where you did physically clock in, clock out, but it still didn't really matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. Uh, because you have to, at some point, either say, I'm not going to spend time on a sermon or a Bible study. Uh, because I'm going to spend time with people, or vice versa, right. I'm not going to spend time with people because it's more important to do the sermon and Bible study. Right. Now we put our our flag in the camp that says <laughs> camp people. people are more important, um, but that's the truth. So how long, let's say, in an average sermon? Me and Jason, we preach every other week, so we get about two weeks to prepare. But usually it's like a week off, and then right. a week preparing. <laughs> totally I'm not saying that I've spent two weeks. That, that's the myth. I always like, say, oh, guys, I get two weeks to prepare. I say I'm going to. I say I'm going to, and I never every do. time. I might like read the scripture verse early yeah, on. I never. And, yeah, but that that's the myth. Is like, oh, I get two weeks instead of one. But really, it's I get a week to do sort of not think about it, and then a week to have to think about it all week. Right. Um, but so let's say uh, in the two weeks. Or in the week, how long do you spend on a sermon? So I have a hard regimen for my sermon preparation where on Monday I read, on Tuesday I outline, and on Wednesday I manuscript. And so I probably do around two hours at each step, maybe three hours when I find my manuscript. So it's like six to seven hours. I always have it in my to-do list that on Thursday afternoon or Friday I'm going to practice giving my sermon and then take notes because I always improvise off of what I write so I write my sermon out and then improvise on it on Sunday and I always think at the end of my sermon on Sunday oh if I had just done this before I would have gotten those improvisations and figure out which ones I liked which ones I didn't like right I never get to that step right so it's probably on a really good week it's six hours seven hours um how often have you written a sermon on Sunday morning Never. Never? Never. I have about four or five times. Now I've outlined... Now, but Sunday morning means four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, I woke up, I did. I just had a... 
with the way, especially with our churches and weddings and parties, yep. it's amazing. Yep. We have one this Sunday, Saturday, Every where we're Sunday. out yep. all day. Right. And then we're out all night, and I'm like, ah. So I, there's been several times, probably five times, where I woke up at four in the morning. Because I'm all right with waking up early. Right. I'll crash later, but I'm like... Four in the morning, I'll go over to Red Tree and I'll just sit there and start. I think I could. Working. I don't think. It, I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing. And it to doesn't. Do. It doesn't mean that that's the first time I even thought Not about it all week. Right. It's just the first time I've actually sat Pen down to right. to write it out. Well, so that's why. That's why I put outlining early in the week, so that if not if everything else goes to hell. I still have an outline, and I normally can preach from out. There have been times where I've never gotten to to, to writing. There have been times when I've stopped Dude, at outlining. I, 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 on t- actually, last, two weeks ago, my sermon on the Titus leadership, I never got past outlining. Now, you don't practice yours first, That's right? what I'm saying, because so I don't practice that's the, So, actually, I've had several times where I have an outlining thing, but I've never, ever once had a time where I didn't go through my entire sermon once I, before Sunday, so I do every thing I do every Sunday morning at six o'clock. I go through it once, and even at my little, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Right. Not all the time. Sometimes it really does is is like sort of comes to me, but I'll, I'll be like going through it on Sunday morning, be like hey, that's kind of funny. I'm going to make sure I add that later. Right, right. Um, uh, which when it's not funny, it makes me a really. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. Um, this is this has actually become a thing for me. So I tend to live seasonally. So I have fall goals. Winter goals, spring goals, and summer goals, and they their personal goals and their professional goals, and their like some like this one for the this year working out has been a big one, and it's actually paid off. I've actually done it. Um, one of mine right now is to become a better preacher, and to become because it's because we're and I think it's the it's the least important thing I do at the church. Ooh, I think you should say that again for emphasis. I think I really do think that preaching is the least important thing I do. It's the easiest thing I because do. Because coming out of seminary, you're not told that. It's actually nope. quite the opposite. It's the only thing seminary prepares you for is preaching. It's the only thing it does. It's the only thing I feel like it really can. It yep. can give you time yep. in study and it can give you time in practice. Right. And it uh, teaches you how to find resources. Right. So I know how to use commentaries now. I know yeah. I know who I'm likely to agree with. I know who I'm likely not to. I know who I'm likely to be challenged by. I know who to rip off and who not to rip off. And um, and luckily you got it in seminary, whereas I got it in undergrad where they mm. treat you like your children. Yeah. So the one of the first preaching classes I ever had, and the best thing about preaching classes is that it gives you a chance to actually preach in front of people who are just judging you. So right, it's right. just like hard. But like, well, good thing we don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't have that now. Right, exactly. <laughs> But so it's a good practice. But um, this, they would teach you the dumbest things. This one guy's like, "You gotta have a homiletical mindset. If you don't, he's like, he's like, I carry around a briefcase with me, and ever I hear a good story or see something funny, I write it down and stick it in the briefcase." And I'm like, "Oh, that's really bad." But he did hook, look, book, took. <laughs> no hook, book, look, took. That's it. He's like, first you tell him a story to hook him. And then you bring out the book, and then you're gonna go take a look at what you saw in the book, and then you're gonna give him took something to take home. And I was, but for a long time, I really used that. Or the uh, there was another one that was like, you need to tell them. No, tell them what you're gonna tell them. Tell them and tell them what you told them. Because <laughs> it's that easy. I because this and did this and that's what I said. So I, I in my seminary. So I got out of seminary about five years ago. So I've been back in this world. I've been closer to this world than you have recently academically. Right. Um, my last year, I took um, like. I don't know if it was management for ministry. It was just like sort of a professionalism class, and it was the wor- it was one of the worst classes I took at, at seminary. But this guy said you should spend twenty five to thirty hours a week just in sermon prep. Who has twenty five hours? And Mar- so in Mark Driscoll's book, when he was and he was delivering like big time, well researched, well spoken sermons, 
But he said he was doing 30 to 40 hours a week, and he was preaching every week. Yeah. He was preaching four times a week. At the I week. had a guy from North Carolina in some no-name church was just like, hey, I just, the best advice I can give you, 20 hours a week in your sermon. He's like, it's 20 hours a week of... of and now, if you're talking mental sure. thinking, I'm not anywhere close to 20, but I'm a little further along than I, I would guess. be. I try to use time running, and when I'm working out, running I try to listen one, to yeah. sermons, or I try to listen to podcasts and stuff to say, oh, what have other people said about this idea, so that I'm at least entertaining your ideas. Don't you think, this is me being, this is me being cynical, don't you think the guys who are saying 20 hours a week are just trying to pad out a 40-hour work week so they can justify their paycheck? Maybe, but I I also think what is your goal of your sermons is an important thing too because if they're just to entertain, sure. then that's a lot more work of finding a, a story that brings right. a tear to the eye or to make everyone Cutting laugh. A video clip with a video a clip that makes a little more sense. If you're if you're just hey I need to keep people entertained and happy, right. then I'm, I need to search around because I'm out of all my stories right. or something like that. Um, and that's but, the Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld stuff where they talk about for them to do an hour long speech yeah. takes two or three hundred hours to produce because like, they, they practice every moment, every movement, yeah. every word. Chris Rock would say he doesn't take one step on that stage that isn't 100% planned. Right. Like every, even every time he says fuck, every time he says any word, it is 100% planned. Right. None of, it's supposed to sound improvisational. Right. And then if you want to see a good movie, this, The Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld where yeah. he just... Talks about how hard it is, and I did stand up comedy, and I it took me a year. It was a year's worth of material and planning to do a fifteen minute bit or a ten minute bit, and then we're also supposed to produce the. If if my goal is entertaining, am I supposed to produce that every Every two weeks? uh, And if you're in a smaller church or a more traditional church, it's every week. Every week, and then uh, probably a Bible study on Sunday nights, right. and maybe something on Wednesday Which nights. Which is essentially when they say Bible study, if you're the pastor leading that, they really just want another sermon. Another sermon. Because Except I you just don't get to wear a tie this right. time. Because <laughs> I don't think I could do... But I'm not the public speaker that Jerry Seinfeld is, or that Chris Rock is. But at the same time, Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock are also doing one speech that they've done they do for a whole for, year. They do it for a year. <laughs> right. Maybe adding a little and bit here and there. we have to do a different one every week. And you have to do a different one every week. But our, I would say that our church, we have not... I, I know there's stupid words like seeker, blah, blah, blah. We have just said, hey, our, our goal is teaching. Right. Um, and maybe sometimes it's different, but basically... I mean, there have been some Sundays where it's just really just rushing, uh, running through a text, and that's it. There's not any flowery stories. Right. And then I've actually, I remember the first time I did it, there was one Sunday where we were talking about something, and you're like, oh, interesting. You didn't use one Bible verse that whole day, <laughs> which is fine because I think that day there was a different goal. Right. Um, but I feel like teaching is really important. And what's really cool is to see people in our church who knew nothing. Who will now say words like "Oh, well, in the first century, right?" Or right. Uh, "New creation." These right. these things that we've taught them, like, "Oh, okay, they're really starting." Well, to I sort of, I one of the things we had to do in class was come up with like a preaching philosophy. The you know the hook book hook, hook book thing is essentially just a preaching just teaching with a tear in its eye. Right. <laughs> so, but we had to come up with our and from the get go, my philosophy has been that the only value I can add on a Sunday morning preaching from a preaching perspective to people's lives is data. So. With somebody like my wife, who's busy, she is not diving into Josephus or the Dead Sea right. Scrolls or the Second Temple Judaism stuff to come up with historical and cultural context for a text. That's the the thing that I am one of the things that I'm paid to do. So the value I add is in giving you data, and if I if I lay out the data in an appropriate way on a Sunday morning, 
the conclusion should be self-evident or any conclusion you come to him should be good. And so my job, I always feel like I've always thought of my preaching and this is way different than yours. I think I've always thought of my preaching as a geometry proof of like a plus B equals C. Mm. And I give you two of the variables. I'm either going to give you A and C or A and B or B and C. You And if I do that right, then you deduce the third variable on your own. And then you come up. And then whatever right conclusion you come to, because you arrive to it through your own mental prowess, not because somebody else told you to think that, yeah. you're more locally likely to own the truth of that idea. Well, uh, this one lady who I would say is my mentor, although she wouldn't probably say that I'm her mentoree, but she tells me everything that's ever good about ministry. Her big thing is there people are adults. Right. And she told me this one time, she's like, I can say something and people can rationalize on their own or think on their own or process on their own later if I just present a issue or a problem or a thought. Right. You don't always... Because one time I asked her, oh, well, I'm just not good at conclusions. I'm not good at wrapping it all up in a yeah. pretty bow and delivering it. And she's like, well, maybe you don't have to. Maybe just bringing it up and then leaving it. Even when good. I manuscript my sermons, I don't manuscript my conclusion. And you can always hear. You can always hear the moment where I've run out of words in my paper in my sermon because I go, uh, yeah, here it goes. <laughs> uh, we're gonna pray, <laughs> and I don't have a. Because my thing is, is rarely am I dropping the last word on a subject. Right. Well, on what basis would I claim to drop the last word on a subject? And it's, it's boom, and you drop the mic. Right. Preached. And my guess is, I, I have okay. some ideas that I would say are that that I'm not strict about. But the flip side of that is. It's, it goes back to one of the things I learned in Second Temple Judaism is that a, a good Jewish rabbi would never say, oh, the law says this. Because that was presumptuous for you to say that you understood the law entirely. That you would always reference, oh, well, Moses taught us this from the law. That, and then later rabbis would say, this rabbi taught this, who taught this, mm -hmm. and so I think this. And later on, Rob Bell would come and say... <laughs> the dust of the rabbis. The dust of the rabbis. Um, you know, it's... Uh, when you were just saying that, I was actually thinking about um, uh, what would you say, and I think it might be different in your opinion versus other people's opinion, what do you think you get paid for? Oh, I don't... I So I think I probably wrestle with this more than you do. I am super conscientious about I have to be on task for legend from the moment my kids leave until the moment my kids get home, and then at night too. So I probably feel guilty if I'm not putting in 50 hours on church task. Right. But, but what specific tasks do you think you get paid for? So because when you said, you know, hey, I, 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 I get to spend time reading Josephus that other people don't, right. I feel like that's something we get paid for. Right. We get paid to do work that other people aren't going to. So that's the big part. I would say the other thing is availability, like that, my, that I get paid for my time. To be there, like this week, somebody and I to be a spiritual mentor. To be a spiritual mentor, yeah. or and this week, somebody called or me and just said, a servant. Somebody called and said, "Hey, would you watch my kids so that I can go get a haircut?" Sure. And when I got there, she's like, "You know, a, a woman's haircut and a hair dye and a haircut it takes like three hours." <laughs> and I was like, "What? It takes me ten minutes." But I, so I didn't know any of this. Um, which I guess I don't know if my wife's don't take that long or if I'm just not paying attention. But the, for immediately, oh, the things that Kim does that you have no right. idea. <laughs> um, but so immediately I felt guilty that I was going to spend three hours just watching this child when I should have been doing church work. And immediately I stopped and said, whoa, whoa, this woman gets to spend three hours taking care of herself away from her kids. But I get asked her pastor to serve her. This is quintessential church work. This is when I look at my church. If we, if, if legend is successful, what I want is a church full of people who are willing to do that for other people. Right. And so, one of the big things that I've always thought about me being paid for is the opportunity to provide that example. The opportunity to say whatever you need me to do, I will do. 
And the flip side of that is I will skip my reading and my sermon writing to do those things. Yeah. So if my week fills out this week, if 40 hours of people say, we need help moving, I need somebody to watch my kids, I need somebody to drive us here, I need this, I need the community dinner, I need blah, blah, blah. And my sermon doesn't get done till Friday night or Saturday night. That's a bad thing because I go to happy hour on Friday. So any sermon around on Friday is going to be a little drunk. But the, the, my primary job is, and this was something I learned in seminary, my primary job is to be a, a walking parable of living out what I think the values of Jesus are. And so because I'm not still public school teaching, I had the opportunity to go help this person that I wouldn't otherwise yeah. have the help to do. And that's why if I ever had a Sunday morning sermon, it's because... I have, oh, okay, so this night I'm going to work on it. Or actually, this afternoon I'll have two hours, I can throw it in there. Yep. Someone calls, someone yep. needs something, you have to go somewhere, and those things are always going to be more important than... we got to get rid of our damn trucks. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to get <laughs> if, rid of trucks. We... Don't be a pastor with it. Oh, actually, if you want to start a church, be a pastor with a truck, because they're like, oh, all right, this guy helped me, I guess we go to church. The amount of, we could set up a small business helping people move. Right. And the, you know, the, and intentionally so, the biggest piece of capital equipment we own is our trailer, why wouldn't we put that to use in the service of a people in our church and our community? I've also helped people that don't go to our church move, and I very much consider that part of my gig. Oh, yeah. It's part of my job. It's interesting. Well, and there's so much of my, and, and this is in my role, so much of the job is for people outside of our church, too. Right. Because I don't, and I don't believe everyone's called to this, or maybe they are. I don't know. This is probably a different conversation. But when we talk about evangelism or just being Jesus for people who don't know Jesus, I feel like it's a lot of my role and so a lot of my time is and yours is spent helping yep. people move who don't yep. go to our church or helping people do things who don't go to our church because hopefully one day they could and that again is an example of well that if folks are going to come to our church they're not going to come because I convicted them in a moment they're I mean to... I'm such a good orator right. yeah I'm not <laughs> no, just kidding. but they're gonna they're gonna come because of the long slow burn of you've noticed it. When our non-Christian friends need help moving, it's us who shows up. Yeah, and I'm like, we're, we're, all, all, your we're all your friends. <laughs> we had a guy who used to come to church all the time, and he would ditch church because he would go to bar church. And they would go to the, the, the people that he, that he worked with at the bar. Those were his church. They were his community, his family. Until he needed moved. Until he needed anything. Until he needed like, anything. Where are you, where's your bar church at? Where's your bar church at? Um, this happens pretty frequently. And so, hey, it's good. It's a good testimony to... This is how the church is supposed to be, I think. I The last church I worked at, the pastor there wouldn't do those things. He just wasn't. Because he viewed himself as sort of CEO of the company, Right. CEO doesn't go down and get his hands dirty. Right, but he's really good at mustering up other people to do it. He's good at mustering Which up other people to do it. That's the worst thing in the world. But, man, and, and a, a church that size, it's probably there's probably some, there's some strength and wisdom. In, right. I was reading an article today on the average pastor quits after four years. And we this is our eight, next weekend is our eighth anniversary of Legend, so we've doubled the average pastor at this. Boom. And one of, and they were looking at ten traits that pastors who outlive the four years do. And one of them was that they do a, they really invest in staff and volunteers so that they're not doing everything themselves. Um, the flip side of that, although is, there's a business owning statistic, and I'm not going to I'm going to quit too. <laughs> quit that job. Um, but there's a. Part of the another part of my job that I think is important is it's also my job to empower people in ministry, and for me to pick up the slack pieces that's left. So if if we have somebody like um, the woman who volunteers to do our our women's ministry, if she needs me to run copies or to 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 go buy things so she doesn't have to, whatever I need to do to empower her to do the things that she needs to do, I feel like that's a part of my right. task is to take the mundane parts off of her because I've got I've got time during the day. What do you think everyone else, especially who doesn't know that well, thinks you get paid for? 
preaching. Nothing. Right. That's what they say. Oh, the the amount of time. What do you get paid? You, you get paid? Yeah, you get paid. <laughs> you, you, you just a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> well, I'm that too. <laughs> I get mad and frustrated. But if, and I think we talked about this the first or second week. This is a constant tension in my life between feeling judged by, do I generate 40 hours worth of revenue for the church? Right. Do and I, the people who bark about it, like, being paid does give you an obligation because I feel like everyone's like, oh... I'll help people when it's convenient it's for convenient, me. Right. But when it's not, it's not. But when you feel like, hey, this is a really part of my role, my job, then even when it's not convenient, right. just like work, you have right. to go in, you right. do what you need to do. And and the problem is we used to have um we do the when we do our um leadership team meetings, we do a passage report, which I suck at doing. because um, there was a time where I felt like I wasn't doing much. And I was like, I need to make sure I'm accountable. I need to write everything down. And then I got to the point where I was like, man, I'm doing too much shit. And, but I was writing down, like, I met with so-and-so, I met with so-and-so, I met with so-and-so. And then I felt guilty. I'm like, oh, well, there was somebody. Because I think I wrote it about someone who was sitting across the table from me. And I'm like, now they feel like they're just a task mm-hmm. in my, like, oh, I met with you. And now they're like, oh, is every time you meet they're going to be I don't recorded. Know. And so I was like, okay, I can't do that anymore. So then I was like, well, I met with people. I don't know where that line is anymore. Yeah. I don't know. We've talked about this, I think, here. I don't know what the line is between where I'm, when I'm at work when I'm not at work. If I, tonight, a bunch of folks that I love, that are my best friends, that also go to this church, are going to get together and watch the Bengals game. Are those, do those count as my work hours or not? It's work hours, man. It's work hours. Because for them, you're never not on You're pastor. never not on as pastor. So it's, it's always work hours. It's always work hours. And so... Like, if you're a teacher and you go and have drinks later on, you're not a teacher right now. Now we're all just hanging out. Right. But when you're pastor, you're always pastor. You're always so there. drink, but don't drink too much or you'll get judged. <laughs> uh, hang out, but don't hang out too much or you'll get judged. Well, that's what's nice about our church is that I don't, te- yeah. I don't normally worry about that. Right. I normally can just go be myself. And I don't feel like people have barked a lot about demanding that we're accountable for X amount of hours a week. Like, I don't right. feel like there's been a ton of pressure to validate our hours. Yeah, I don't think we have that at all. Although, I don't know if I feel like I can be myself all the time. Like, oh, I know 100%. I know there are people that I can't, um, can't be myself around. I think people would be surprised if they found out how much of myself I hide. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I just... I know people are looking and saying things. And so, even when... If you didn't know me, you would be like, Oh, he's just out there... There, everyone. For me, I, every time I come in contact with somebody, I'm like, okay, there's some things I can divulge here, and there's some things I can't. Right. And I mean, I don't even think my wife ever. I mean, she knows me and knows everything, but like, even with her, sometimes I have to be like, okay, these are parts of myself that I can be and not be. And that's and, sort of being an adult, right? right? Being an adult is where you learn to temper and what's worth the fight, what's worth not, what's not worth the, the fight. fight. Not. Um, although it's so, it's actually it's a, it's a conundrum for me because. There is this weird, well, you're the pastors, and so there is this weird authority that we have or place in the community. We've tried really hard to break that down to say, no, no, we're not, we're not a moral example. We're not right. the people you look up to. Um, but just trying to figure that out, and it, it it is one of those. I understand why people bail on ministry. It is it is all consuming. Right. I think I think if you and I were both at at the church I used to work at, we would have quit by now. Right. Well, and at the same time, not that it's true of the person you helped the, yesterday, uh, but you'll do a thousand of those things for people, and the second they don't like something, yeah, they're out. And they'll think, oh, it has nothing to do with you helping me. I don't like the church, or I don't like this. Right. You're like, well, go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting kind of because uh, you do end up back and forth with that... Um, like, who am I going to help and how am I going to... Because there are times when, like, somebody asked us to help them move this weekend. I was like, ah, between my kids' soccer games and church on Sunday and right. the event we have Sunday night, 
there does become a where push comes to shove, and right. and I feel really guilty when I I don't tell people no, as a because I feel guilty when I do. I cannot tell people no when they right. need asking help, and I don't think I should. Again, I think that's part of my gig. But, but at the same time, hey, I can't help you, but here's my truck. Take it and use it as much as you want. Yeah. Until they're like, oh, I didn't really want your truck. I, I, I wanted you, you and your truck. Stuff. I don't want your truck by itself. I don't want you by yourself. Yeah. I want you and your truck. The flip, and, and on the flip side, we've all, there's a ton of people at this church who have, every time I've needed something, there are people that I can ask and they, they show out. Right. Like, and I like helping people. Like right. I like, I generally do well, did, like showing a, up and I like being there and I like, I like being a hero too. I like being, hey, I get to help you. Isn't it a problem that we've just spent the last 28 minutes trying to validate and prove that by being helpful to people we really are working right like in the christian world we've gone so far in this one direction that right. that we feel like if we're not sitting down and writing or at leading meetings like we've taken on this mantle of what it means to be working and productive right. that like for example i spend three hours helping somebody watch their kids that's good jesus work that's right. good church work that's good life work that's good in the middle of how we how we validate care for had this person not gone to my church, I would still do it. If I didn't work at this church, I would still do it because as a follower of Jesus, that's the gig. Pastors and leaders, I think, are supposed to just be examples. And right. so so the line of, oh, you're only doing this because you're my pastor or because it's your job, it, the, the problem with that is that the line of reasoning doesn't make any sense. Right. There is no separation between you as my friend and me right. as your pastor. And just I think we maybe touched on this a little bit before, but it's also going to change between, between – Pertaining to who you are and what your gifts are. Uh, sure. Like, are you, you know, some people are really good at reading and studying better than others and or praying. Even, right. Hey, right. I spend seven hours this week praying because that's what I like to do. Awesome. Cool. Do that. I didn't do that. Um, or, hey, I spent time with people who I would love to come to our church or I spent time with community events. Like, there's things I think that's why when it comes to evaluating a pastor you have to really know them and where their strengths are and how Jesus is manifesting them what parable they're trying to tell and really pull that out and then be okay with them where they're not doing that like be okay with and can you find people to help them around that so for our leadership team we have two people who are super A type who do a nice job of keeping things balanced and on time and schedules and keep our finances balanced and those kind of things they can say you're out of line here you're not um those folks step into the gap that we leave because yeah. God God decided to bring us here as leaders and not not A-type personality guy, right? Right. And, and uh, uh, both of those people, if they wanted to get up and preach, I would absolutely let them because they're servants and elders of the church and people that can teach. And I think, but they teach by example more than they teach with sort of spoken word. Right. Um, it, this has done a number on what I think about preaching a legend or right. preaching in general in the yeah. world. Oh yeah, and I, you know, I think I've even said I, I went through times where I just I hate. I, I, we started off, and I thought I knew how to preach. I thought I knew hook, book, look, took because the world I came from loved that, loved that right? and I could get up there in these uh, churches that were my same background, and I could get up there and say a phrase, and I was like, mm, "Amen, brother, that, right. you really brought the fire today." Or you know, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. <laughs> Yeah. If that's a thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> so Voldemort, uh, Voldemort Yes, that. yes, yes. Your wood must be wet. Or, um, And then I started here, and I would get up there and do the same rhetoric, the same narratives, the same things. And people were just like, what? Like, <laughs> Sure. What? Sure, okay, sure. I guess. that's a th- Is that a thing? Like, uh, And so then I was like, oh, crap, well, I don't know how to do it. So then I went through a year where I was like, I'm just going to. 
I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead, and I'm just going to get up there and say what I need to say, but my brain doesn't work that way, right. so I'd be like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> um, and then I, I just went there, and then finally I feel like it started to come to me, and now it's actually, it, I used to dread every Sunday I'd preach for a while, like, every Sunday you were there, I was like, oh, great, he's doing it. And now I feel like I'm on the flip side where I'm like, oh, I really enjoy it, it's really fun for me, um, it's an exciting time to you know, share some knowledge, but also encourage people or challenge people. Like right. I really dig that a lot. Um, but it's, um, I was going to say, I, when, when you think of, when you were saying, Hey, I want to be a better preacher this, this year, what exactly do you mean? Like, where, what do you mean you want to be better? Uh, some of it's technical. I wish that I didn't manuscript and then read my notes like that. I don't feel like you read. Kim does. Oh, does she? Yeah. I mean, I see you look down yeah, every yeah. now and then. I do. I do. She actually thinks I do it too much at weddings because for the amount of weddings I do, I should have that memorized by now. Have you ever preached the same sermon twice outside of a wedding? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I've got one. I've got one right now ready to go. If something happened like Sunday, you <laughs> were sick. All those instances where they're like, I need a preacher. Where's the preacher? <laughs> no, like on Sunday, if you were sick, I've right. got a sermon that's ready oh, to go. I do that too. Oh, I... But have you done it twice? See, I think I have oh, some no. that I could probably do if yeah, I needed no, no. to. I've got sermons like I used in my youth ministry that I revamped for legend. So let's say uh, Crossroads calls you right now and they're like, hey, we need you to preach. <laughs> Not that this would happen, but then we need you to <laughs> Never preach would this weekend. Go. What would be your like A material that you would do for a place like that, or would you burn the place down? Women in leadership. <laughs> Women in leadership. <laughs> or, Jesus. Know. Jesus has a poor guy. <laughs> Jesus is a poor peasant. All right. Never. Bad example. Uh, no. 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 I, no so but my, if you like a conference or something, my like, go-to hey, sermon is because um, you know they want you to wow everyone. My go-to sermon would be uh, Romans seven, where Paul talks about the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do, I don't want to uh, do. But, and Schmeagel. And, and Gollum Schmeagel, because the the yeah. the video. That Peter Jackson creates of God will speak arguing with each other is it's the most perfect video clip I've ever seen for a sermon in my life and because I love Lord of the Rings I can just get up and talk about it I can just passionately get up and talk about it I've read Romans enough that and study Romans because it's the book mm. um, that I feel like I know that one would the other one would be Paul in I think Galatians, but I could be wrong on this, where he says there's no Jew and there's no Greek, there's no Gentile, there's no barbarian, there's no all of the social boundaries between us are irrelevant in the gospel um mm. Because guess, that would be my that's one of my that's one of my boxes for understanding the entire structure. Right. That's good. Mine would totally be uh, Eden in the in the eat in the Garden of Eden and the tree there and then the tree in Revelation. Like mm. I love that's my favorite. Between two ferns. Oh, between two <gasps> between two trees with Justin Dunn. Well that's a that's a Rob Bell sermon. Oh, is it really? The between two trees. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Between, so it's the tree in Garden of Eden. Is, it, tree, is, is he the, supposed to be like Zach Galifianakis? No, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, no, so when you say be better, though, uh, you mean... Just technically, uh, primarily. As a public speaker. But the flip side of that is is that my cynicism or distrust of what preaching in church look like has met that I don't... I don't. I've stayed away from like motivational speaking and those kind of like the the short summaries that really. Right. I think people in our church would really like them. I think people in the community. Well, I think it makes it to where when we do something like that, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. more powerful because like, oh man, he was serious he pre- he today. He- I brought up a political thing for the first time ever that yeah. I've ever talked about, and I didn't mean to. It just kind of came out <laughs> that Donald Trump's a racist and he's probably unveiling the racism <laughs> in our world. 
<laughs> and uh, but I was like, well, if you didn't like it, I mean, I mean if you're listening and you work for the IRS, we right? There goes our Republican fan base. Our Republican fan base is about, gone. I'm more worried about like our like not having to pay taxes. Oh, <laughs> those, those right. are the things I want to avoid. Donald Trump has paid the Republican Party has paid people to scan podcasts to be like the word Trump Republican <laughs> came up. They probably would. Um, take us for all we're worth. They come get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the. Uh, yeah, so I feel like mine is probably time. If I feel like I want to be better, I want to. I'd like to invest more time to polish things a little mm. better, uh, because I feel like the the fear that I have now is for a while I was worried about getting up and having enough right. to say or to fill enough time. I speak long time, and long now long. I feel like oh well, actually I don't have any problem just get up there and talking. For the first this year is probably the first year I feel like oh I don't have a problem getting up there and talking. I have right. stuff to say, but I want. Um, like, uh, we have this one girl in our church who, like, writes down notes what we're saying. I'm like... It's intimidating. Well, and I'm like, well, what is she writing down when I speak? There's nothing. <laughs> There's nothing and then it. someone uh, in our church quoted me in, like, a Facebook post. And I was like, they quoted my quote, which is actually I stole from The Postman with Kevin Costner. Sure. You give out grace like it's candy in your pocket. <laughs> so, the, so the only time I quote anything is memorable is going to be because it's from a movie. What? Uh, but she quoted me, and I was like, "Oh, I should should I start thinking more right. quotable terms? Right. Like, should I start putting together like, you know, catchphrases?" And and I don't think it's bad. It's actually the flip side of that better. is we will have to make decisions. We'll either work more than we should. We'll either work too much, which means we take time away from our families, right? Or we'll skip meeting with people so that we can come up with catchphrases. Because so, so you can polish your phrasing, and right. and maybe we can do that because we're doing it every other week. Maybe we can afford. I think all the time personally, if I. If I did my outline, my reading and my outlining the weeks I'm not preaching, and then my writing and my practice speech- speaking the week I am preaching, um, right? If I yeah. then I could afford to put in four more I just hours. Got stressed about how much time that takes anyway. Right, it's just yeah. a lot. It's a lot of time, and it public speaking. Although people were, I was talking to a dude who was at your your birthday party where we all did stand up, and he was like. We were talking about who's he liked and who he didn't. He's like, yours was great. I'm like, I just got up and started talking. Started talking. Because what I do. Well, and if you in, in the stand-up world, they say everyone flops their first time because the deal is that most people can't publicly speak. For five minutes. Straight. Right. So I did not flop my first time. I did. There's things. I spoke super fast. And I think I could have been better. But it went great for the first time ever. But because I'm used to speaking in front speaking of people, I think people are terrified of... But there's so many people, like my wife, whenever she's done it, I'm like, you are amazing. Your wife yep. is like... Yep. Super good. I'm like, jeez. Uh, but they would both be people who said they don't. Like she would. My, if my wife was going to preach, she would probably need to put ten or twenty hours of work into it. Because yeah. that's what she does when she does presentations. My wife would probably start now, and probably next year she would be okay. ready to maybe do it because she would like to think about it and then rethink about it and then rethink about it and then rethink about it, which it, is really good. <laughs> I shouldn't criticize. Right. I'm like thinking. But it's it's interesting because it's it's put into my life this tension where I still obviously think preaching is really important. We invest a lot of time and energy in it. I think teaching the Bible and having a church, uh, building a church of people that understand the Bible is important. But I also don't think preaching is the most important thing I do. And so I think that that is an outlier because I think preaching is the way that a preacher can say to his church, here's how I justify getting paid. Here's the deliverable that I give to you every week or every other week or whatever it is. Right. And we all feel that tension to prove that we're worth what we're doing. And then you go to the offering plate and pay what it's worth. Because <laughs> we all do the offering after the sermon. <laughs> and if you liked it today, right, go ahead and throw something in there. We should, pass, yeah, our, yeah, we should pass our offering plate around when Monty's singing. <laughs> that's, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> people really like that. 
Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to Jesus' favorite podcast. I didn't say that. Hey, that's right. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. <laughs> Last week it was Jon Snow. This week it's Jesus. Uh, and we're going to have our band play us out. There we go. Please, oh. You motherfuckers need Jesus. Uh, and you-